You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, how to have essential conversations with your parents about their finances with Cameron Huddleston. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. If you're totally new to this podcast, I hope you enjoy the content and it makes you subscribe and come back for more. If you are a returning listener, thanks so much for coming back. I have a really, really cool series of episodes for you. So for the next three episodes, I'm going to be talking about a subject. I mean, it's basically, it's different types of subjects, but it all stems to one thing. It's like family and finances. So how do you relate and talk about money with the people that you love? And how does it relate to people in your life and bringing them on the journey and instilling wealth as not just for yourself, but for your family members, and then also just financial security. So for this week's episode, this is episode 117. I'm talking to Cameron Huddleston, where she created and came out with a wonderful book on how to have these conversations with your parents. So if you have parents and you want to be able to approach them and talk to them about their finances, especially as they begin to age, this is going to be a great episode for you to listen to because Cameron and I are actually going to talk a lot about how do you approach your parents with these conversations and what if they're not receptive to talking or how do you start to begin to understand what their finances like are, like where they are right now, what kind of help they need. So that way, when the time comes, they feel empowered, you feel empowered as a family to be able to take care of them in terms of making sure that they are okay, because it's enough that you have to t- take care of your own self financially, right? And so to have to worry now, of course, about your loved ones puts an extra strain. So it's important to start having these conversations as early as possible. And Cameron and I are going to talk about how to do just that. And I'm excited because the next few episodes, I'm actually going to be going even deeper into the conversation. So this week, I'm talking to Cameron. Next week, I'm talking to a father and daughter duo who are going to be talking about wealth building and interracial generational wealth building, especially for uh, minorities, especially for black people. So I am excited about that conversation. That's next week. And then the following week, I'm excited about a conversation I'm having with someone who is Jamaican. So as many of you guys know, I'm Jamaican. Well, I was born in Jamaica, came here to the States when I was a baby, but really um, I'm talking to someone who's in Jamaica right now teaching about finances and helping her community. And she has an amazing story. So I'm on, uh, it's almost like I'm drilling deeper, deeper culturally. Like I'm talking about the broad conversation today with Cameron and your parents and how to bridge those gaps in conversations with money. And then we're going to keep going deeper and deeper as episodes come out. So stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Now, before we get into the conversation with Cameron, if you are enjoying this content, please don't forget to share and tell your family and friends about it, especially episodes like this where you want to include them in this journey. This is the perfect episode to do that. Also, if you're on social media, I'm Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Tell a friend to tell a friend, follow me, tag me, at me, so that way I can see that you're listening to the episode and let me know what your favorite part of the episode was. All right, so without further ado, let's hop into this conversation with Cameron. 
Hey, Journeyers. I'm really excited to have Cameron Huddleston on the podcast to talk about her new book, which is all about how we can talk to our parents about money. And this is a conversation that literally like I get asked all the time about how since you're on the journey, since you, if you're listening to this podcast, have started to better your finances and reach financial freedom and independence, how then can you involve your parents or how do your parents fit in this conversation? And, and that starts with open dialogue with them. And one of the things that Cameron, that happened is like when you emailed me about this book, I was really excited. I was like, wow, this is exactly kind of what I was looking for to share with my audience. And then I went to Amazon and looked at it and it showed, um, you know, a family, a nice, wholesome family. And the family wasn't really representative of like someone like me. It was, it, they seem Caucasian, which is totally fine. Have nothing against white people, but it was more about me thinking, hmm, is this book going to be able to relate to all types of people? Cause I know my audience is diverse, but a majority of people of color and African Americans. And sometimes those conversations can look a little different, but you graciously and you explain that no, like what you have in this book can be applied to everyone, right? Exactly. This is something I struggled with, with my publisher when we were picking the cover art for the book. I wanted to portray a family on the cover, but I wanted it to be very generic looking. In fact, I almost wanted stick figures, but they didn't have art like that to illustrate it. And so we have these kind of cartoon looking figures and the other option they gave me was a coffee cup. <laughs> and I know these conversations might happen while people are drinking coffee, but a coffee cup did not say family and conversation to me. So we did end up going with a more white looking family. You know, I tried to pick a woman who had darker hair, kind of go a variety of ways. But I want people to know that these are conversations that Everyone needs to be having not just kids who have wealthy parents who are expecting to get an inheritance from them because that's not what this book is about. It's not about how to talk to your parents about whether you're getting money from them. It's more for the people whose parents don't have their financial act together and they're going to have to get involved with their parents' financial lives as they age. Yeah. And that's such a good point because, and we're going to get into some of the hesitations around like why it's so awkward and it's not so easy to talk to parents. And you brought up a good one about just the perception that it's not about getting something from your parents. And sometimes I know that could be hesitation where you don't want them to think you're only asking them because you want something in return or you want to, you're being greedy. And so I definitely want to get into those conversations. But what I do like is that in the beginning of the book, you talk about your personal experience with your own mom and how you, even you, like being in the personal finance space, waited too long to have the conversation, but you got back on track with things. So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. It is one of my biggest regrets that I did not talk to my mom sooner about her finances before she started having issues with her memory. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when she was 65. I was 35 at the time. I had had a conversation with her a few years before that. And she wasn't having any memory problems at the time. And I had suggested that she look into long-term care insurance to help cover any long-term care needs she might have in the future. She and my father had divorced. She was on her own. And so I knew if she needed long-term care, she needed to go into assisted living or she needed care in her house, that a long-term care insurance policy would help pay for that. So she reached out to an insurance agent. Unfortunately, she could not get coverage because of another pre-existing condition. At the time, I should have said, mom, you can't get long-term care coverage. Let's figure out how we would 
pay for your long-term care if you ever needed it. Let's talk about what sort of care you would want. But I didn't because I didn't realize, even though I am a financial journalist, like you said, I didn't realize how important it was to have this conversation. And so a few years down the road, when she started having memory issues, those conversations became necessary. But at that point, we weren't going to be talking about what ifs, what if you need care. Suddenly it was, oh my gosh, this is happening. This is happening and we have to deal with it, which made it so much more uncomfortable. And I didn't want to have to talk to my mom about her finances because that meant pointing out to her that I could see that she was having memory problems. But what I did do is quickly set up a meeting with an attorney so we could update all of her legal documents. And I talk about estate planning. And I know that sounds like you don't need an estate plan unless you have a mansion in the country or something. But this is so far from the truth. Estate planning documents don't just involve a will, but they also involve a power of attorney and an advanced healthcare directive. These documents, I think, are even more important than the will because if you do not name a power of attorney, which is someone who can make financial decisions for you if you no longer can, if you do not have an advanced health care directive, which spells out the end of life care you want, whether you want to be on life support and lets you name someone to make health care decisions for you, you have to be competent when you sign these documents, mentally competent. And so my mother was really on the verge of competency. She was still certainly competent enough at the time to sign these documents. But if I had waited any longer, she would not have been and an attorney would not have let her sign these documents. And then I would not have had that power, that power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney to actually step in and start helping her out with her finances. I don't think a lot of people realize that if something happens to mom and she has a stroke and she's in the hospital and now you've got to like write checks for her to make sure her bills get paid. You can't sign your name on her check. You can't go to the bank and ask them to talk to you. You can't reach out to her credit card companies. You can't even really talk to her doctor unless mom has already named you power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney. The bank is not going to talk to you. The doctors aren't going to talk to you unless your parents have these documents and they've named you their power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney. Right. The reason I wrote this book is because I, you know, I made mistakes along the way with my mom and I just did not want people to make those same mistakes. And I didn't want people to have to go it alone because I had to figure out all of these things on my own. Mm -hmm. And education on what even these things are, right? Like these terms and these documents are so important. And what I find is that so many people like themselves don't have it together. Like they don't have their own will or estate plan, or proxy, healthcare proxies, and power of attorneys in place. Then the conversation becomes, well, but your parents need, I mean, everyone needs it, but your parents, especially as they age, need it. And so it's almost like it takes education to know that, one, you should be doing this for yourself. And then also through that, maybe sharing that experience with your parents. When we got our estate plan together, I shared with my mom what I was doing. I shared with my grandmother because I wanted to show like, hey, I'm doing this. Um, It's super important, especially now that we have kids, even without the kids, we should have did it. And here's what I'm doing. So that way, when I kind of would turn the conversation to, oh, is your stuff all together? It kind of showed them that, listen, I'm walking the talk also, like I'm doing it for myself. You know, and that is such a good way to start these conversations with your parents, because if you've had your own experience with getting a will, power of attorney, if you've had your own experience, maybe meeting with a financial planner 
Or, you know, even creating a financial plan on your own, using a retirement calculator to figure out how much you need to be saving for retirement. If you have that experience, then you can use it like you did to start the conversation with your parents. I did this. Have you done this too? Mm -hmm. And then it also speaks to some of the fears, which we'll talk about why it's such a hard conversation to have because you have these ideas of what you think they're thinking about you when you approach them. And so you kind of say that it's the fear versus the truth, the fear of what you think is going to be said or what you're thinking they think of you, but the truth really is this. So can we just go through a couple of examples? Sure. So here are some big ones. So your fear might be that your parents are going to think you're being nosy if you ask about their finances. They might think that you're being greedy. You also might be afraid that if you bring this up and you know that money is a taboo topic with your parents, that they're going to get angry, that they're going to blow up and it's going to ruin your relationship. But the reality is, if you approach your parents and let them know that you want to talk to them about their finances because you care about them, because they took such great care of you while you were growing up. And if they ever need your help, you want to be able to provide that help. But to do so, you need to get some information from them. You need to have a plan, all of you together. If they can see that you're coming at this out of care for them, out of love for them, they're not going to blow up. They're not. You know, your parents love you. They might find the conversation a little bit awkward. But for most parents, they're likely going to be thankful that you're thinking about them and that you want to take steps to to make sure that as they age, they're going to be okay. Now, of course, there are going to be some parents who are going to resist no matter what, no matter how you try. But for the most part, the fears that you have in your head, you're probably blowing them up to be a lot bigger than they really are. And I can tell you that as awkward as these conversations might seem, the consequences of not having them are far worse, far worse. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about if you have the situation where, yes, like you hope it all goes well. And at the end of the day, you have a fairly decent relationship with your parents to where they understand that this is to help them. Right. And then you do have parents who are not, you know, who who won't receive it that way. So when it comes to being persistent, you know, how persistent should you be? Because like you said, it's not going to all get settled in one conversation. This this might take some time. But if you do, let's just say someone says, you know what, I need to understand what's going on. And they do approach their parents and the parents are just like, listen, I, I'm too busy. I can't talk about this right now. How often should you bring it up or talk about it? How should you approach them again? Is there such a thing as pushing too hard? There is such a thing as pushing too hard. But I want to start by saying that the sooner you try to start having these conversations, the better, because it can take time. Like if you wait until you're in a crisis mode, it's already too late. And with some parents, it can take years to build up that trust, to get them to feel comfortable talking about it. And so I wouldn't suggest for any of your listeners who have little kids who you know are in the checkout line and their kids are like, mom, mom, can I have this candy? Can I have this candy? I mean, you know, that's so annoying. So you don't want to be that kid, that nagging kid who's like, mom, come on, let's, let's talk about this every time you get on the phone because your parents are going to stop picking up the phone every time you call. So when there are instances when you can kind of bring it up naturally, maybe mom has been complaining about how hard it is to take care of the house. That's an in there. You know, mom, 
I see that it is really hard for you. And and have you thought about perhaps downsizing to a smaller house? I know you love your house. I know we were raised here. But more importantly, you want to make sure that you're in a place that's the right place for you. So you can look for those instances when it can perhaps come up naturally so that you're not kind of bringing it up out of the blue, catching them off guard. Another thing that you can do, though, if they have been somewhat resistant and they don't want to have the conversation, ask them, okay, mom and dad, I understand, you know, talking about money can be uncomfortable. Let's sit down maybe and figure out some instances when you would be willing to share some information. Let's think about scenarios when you might need me to help you out. And let's make a list of those, you know, maybe, you know, mom, if dad dies, you might need me to start helping you out more. Or maybe, you know, if if you're having some health issues, that would be a time when we can talk. Let's make a list of when those instances would be when you might be willing to start sharing some more information. And they might, you know, kind of shrug it off, but hopefully it's going to get them to start thinking, you know what? My kid just made a really important point. There will probably come a time when I might need their help. And yes, maybe I should be having these conversations, but if you can get them even thinking about that, you're making some progress. But like I said, you know, every time you talk to mom or dad, every time you visit them, don't bring it up, you know, do it naturally or ask them to help make a list of the in- the times when they might be willing to share some more information. Right, right. That's such a good point. And, and I feel like in an ideal world, it would eventually evolve to where the conversation can happen. And it's a progressive one. And even if it doesn't happen right away, it's something that happens over time. And I'm just like thinking to, you know, even in just like my circle of friends and people that I know where like the adult child is doing well with their finances or earning good money and maybe their parents are mismanaging their own money. So they're not really a straight financial path themselves. And, you know, it's almost like you can pretty much assume that they probably don't have all their financial ducks in a row themselves. So it's not even like your parents have things in order and it's more about, okay, figuring out like the information in case you need to access something. It's more like my parents don't even have it together. Like, God forbid dad or mom loses their job or I'm not around, they probably won't be able to sustain their lifestyle. So I know sometimes this is going to be deeper than, you know, just like a state plan conversation. This is almost just like a behavior and mindset. I mean, I was speaking to someone that I um, that listened to the podcast and I met them in person and they were just talking about how they bailed their mom out of um, debt before and now their mom is right back into it. And she's saying no now to her mom. And when I think of like situations like that, I'm thinking, how does one even get from there to talking about estate planning with a parent who's not even being able to cash flow their life? Right. There is a chapter on estate planning. And, and the reason I highlight the importance of it is because when there are instances where you actually have to step in and start managing your parents' finance for them because of dementia or a health issue, those documents need to be in place. But, you know, I do talk about those instances when, you know, it's it's not just about estate planning. It's about, you know, talking to your parents, maybe about when it's time to move, because you can see that their house is a financial drain on them, and they've got a lot of debt. A, a financial planner I interviewed for the book, his parents were in that situation. They had a lot of debt. They had, uh, I think they had taken on like a second mortgage to help put him and his sisters through school. And they were just so weighed down by the debt they had taken. And he knew that they needed to move to a smaller house. And he knew by selling their house, they could pay off that debt. So he just laid it out for them. He said, you know, mom and dad, let me show you this. If you sell your house, 
you can wipe out this debt you have and then you'll be in someplace smaller, fewer expenses. It will be easier for you. And they came around. But I get it, though, because most people's parents, they're not going to be in a good place financially. Baby boomers, like there have been surveys that have found that nearly half of them have nothing saved for retirement, which means as the child, you could very well be helping support your parents in retirement. And this is something you need to know sooner rather than later. If you see your parents are struggling, you probably have a pretty good idea that you might have to play a role. But if you can start talking to them about this sooner rather than when they're actually coming to you for help, this can actually help prepare you and your own finances. And it can also help prepare you emotionally because like you said, your friend who helped bill her mother out of debt and the mom got in debt again. At the end of the day, you can try and try and try to have these conversations. And if mom and dad refuse ultimately, and you know they're going to need your help, at the end of the day, sometimes you have to just prepare yourself emotionally for the fact that you have done everything you can. You've tried to have these conversations, you've tried to prepare, but your own financial well-being is most important. You have to protect your own financial well-being, and especially if you have kids, they rely on you for support. And so If you've tried to talk to mom and dad and they have resisted and you know they're going to need help and you have helped them, but they've turned around and gotten themselves in trouble again, you might have to just start preparing yourself emotionally for the fact that you have to say no, that, you know, we've, I've tried to reach out. I've tried to help you. I've done all I can. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds kind of cold, but the truth is, like I said, you really have to look out for your own financial well-being, even though your parents have probably helped you growing up. If you've tried and tried to help them, there's only so much you can do and you cannot let their financial mistakes ruin you financially. Right, right. I mean, it's almost just like if, because again, we want the best for our parents and you want to repay them, right? For everything that they've done for you, especially if they're not, you know, doing well. And so there's a couple of things that while you were talking, I'm like, some things maybe this will help is like showing them the worst case scenario. So, cause I feel like a lot of people are in denial. So even when it comes to, you know, their situation, they're like, oh, you know, I'll be fine. You know, like it's okay. Or, you know, even though I'm not really, I'm in the red every month or I don't have anything all together, it's fine. It's fine. And maybe then as the child, you can go to your parents and say, no, like mom, this is what your reality can look like if you don't get it together, if you don't let me help you, right? Like your home will get foreclosed. You know, you show them the worst case scenario. So hopefully maybe that's, you don't want to like use scare tactics, but it's almost just like they need to see the reality. Yes. Right. Because that might push them back. But I just feel like sometimes they need a reality check. This is what's going to happen if we don't start doing these things. And you don't necessarily have to, like you said, if you don't want to scare them too much, you don't have to point out what they are doing wrong. You certainly, do, if they're embarrassed about their finances, this can be a big reason why they might be reluctant to talk to you. But you can use a story about a friend you have. Hey, mom and dad, my friend, her mom has been having a really hard time. She's having to collect social security disability. She can barely keep up with the rent on her house. And it's, you know, it's been really hard for my friend because she's been trying to help out her mom, but her mom's been really reluctant to take her advice. She's even offered to help you know, find her mom a cheaper apartment, whatever, you know, use a story because there's a good chance you have a story. You have a friend who is going through something with a parent, or, you know, you can even mention a podcast you listen to or an article you read. So you're talking about someone else and the struggle that they have been facing. And then you can kind of turn it and say, you know, my friend has really struggled with this. I want to make sure that 
you're okay and that you don't have to go through struggles like this. And so this is why I really want to have these conversations. I want to make a plan. I want to figure out what role I'm going to play and what you're expecting of me. Because most parents are going to say they don't ever want to be a burden on their kids. But when it comes down to it, a lot of parents are going to have to rely on their kids as they age and they don't have a plan for it. Like they, they don't want to be a burden, but they have no plan to prevent them from being a burden. And so you, you want to start having these conversations so that you can kind of put some things in place, especially when it comes to long-term care. And by that, I mean like, you know, if your parent has a, a physical limitation or a mental limitation, then they're not going to be able to take care of themselves on their own. Long-term care is so expensive, like so, so expensive, whether it's in the home or whether it's in assisted living. And so that's why most people have to rely on family members. And so having these conversations, you know, mom and dad, if you ever need this sort of help, let's figure out a plan. Maybe we can move you into a smaller house now that's one story. Maybe you, as the child who was thinking about downsizing because your kids have gone off to college, you realize, I can't do this. I can't downsize because I might have to move my parents in with you. Finding ways to talk about this so that you're, you know, talking about how you're going to be able to help them without passing judgment on where they stand financially. I like the fact that sometimes you just need to bake that into your your financial plan. So it's being prepared for that, almost like it's a line item in your budget and saving to help your parents or that they might need that additional help. And as you were talking, you know, and I'm not saying this is a cultural thing and I'm not saying every person is like this because obviously it's not. There are some parents who, yes, I'm one of those parents. I definitely do not want to be a burden to my children at all. So I'm going to work my hardest to where they don't have to worry about me. But I do come across and hear about some parents who actually like think it's owed to them. Yes. You know, so it's like, it's that other side where like you feel indebted to your parents. Yes, because what they've done for you, but it's not like they're putting that pressure on you. But there are some parents who actually are like, listen, I took care of you and I'm kind of expecting that you take care of me. And it's unfortunate when that happens. That is so true, though. In a lot of cultures, that's the way it is in Hispanic cultures, Asian cultures. My husband's from Ukraine, you know, Eastern European cultures. There is this expectation that your children will take care of you. And you probably realize this. I mean, if if you know that that is the way that your family believes and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's just that's the way it is in your culture, in your family. Then if you realize that your parents are going to be counting on you, you can't just hope and pray that nothing's going to happen to them because there's a very good chance that it will. I mean, I never expected my mother to develop Alzheimer's. I didn't expect my father to die at the age of 61, especially without a will because he was an attorney. But these things happen. And so if you don't plan for them, then you're caught off guard and you have to scramble. Then you are you have fewer options. If you start making a plan for how you're going to be able to help care for your parents, sooner rather than later, then then you can prepare your finances for it. You can prepare emotionally for it. You can prepare your kids for the fact that their grandparents might be moving in with you. And having this conversation with your parents, say, you know, mom and dad, you know, as you get older, if you need help, I'm going to be the one to provide that help for you. So let's talk about how that's going to look. Let's talk about what you want. And you don't want to say, you know, I know you're expecting me to do this. You just say, I want to be able to do this. You know, I, I know that as as your child, this is something that I, I should be doing to help you out. 
if that is the expectation on you. And so let them know that I'm not doing this just because I know you want me to do it because <laughs> even though, even though that's my, that might be how you feel deep down inside, let them know that you're looking out for them and you want to help them out. Right. I love it when I see like older adult children helping their parents. Like, I, I mean, I can only dream like one of my dreams is to like have enough money to be able to buy my mom like something or like her own thing one day. And so it's just like it's more about not only being like feeling entitled to it, but then also they're not managing their money properly. So it's more of a burden right on the adult child to help because they're not doing the right thing with their money. So some of the things you talked about, which I think are extremely important, is like the housing situation, because like, as you said, sometimes, you know, they're set in their ways. They raise you in this home or they have their own space and they like their space, but maybe it's a space or place they can't afford. I mean, when you start thinking about what that looks like, the options, um, I know sometimes it's like, okay, let's maybe you move back in with them and it's a the family home again, or maybe they move in with you. But how do you convince like a parent that they need to move? Like it's really, they can't afford their home. It is a tough conversation because like you said, people are really attached to their homes and not just their homes, but their communities where they are. They might have, you know, their friends who live nearby, this support system that they developed over the years because they live in the community. But if you see that that support system has disappeared, for example, you know, maybe mom is the last older person on her block now. And she's surrounded by a lot of young families, so she doesn't have friends nearby. That's one way to start the conversation. You know, mom, I've noticed that a lot of your friends have maybe moved away. Have you thought about maybe moving into a an apartment or a community where there are going to be more people your age so that you can hang out with them and be with people your age and have fun and be social? Because I know how you love being social if you have a parent who's social. In fact, I mean, some people like being on their own, but that's one way to bring it up. Point out the social benefits of moving. You could point out the financial benefits of moving. You know, if your parents, I mean, who doesn't like to save money? And if you see that they are having to spend a lot of money to keep up their house, you might want to point out, you know, mom and dad, I know you love this house and it has a lot of special memories for me too, but I can see that it's a burden for you. I can see that you're having to spend so much money to keep it up. And I want you to know that it's okay with me if you sell it and move to someplace that's more manageable for you. Because I think sometimes parents feel like they're going to upset their kids mm. if they sell the family home. And so in a way, if you're kind of giving them this permission, it's okay, mom, because I what's most important to me is that you're in a place that's the right fit for you. And, and think how much money you could be saving and how you don't have to worry about this maintenance. And then you're going to have more money to do the things you like. Point that out. Mom and dad, if you don't have to pay for this upkeep of your house, you don't have to pay for this big mortgage or this rent on this place that's too big for you now, you're going to have more money to do the things you enjoy. Right. They can travel more. They can take cruises more. Right. You can spoil the grandkids, whatever it is that you love. Or, you know, if you sell the house, then you can pay off that credit card debt that you have. And that's one less thing to worry about in retirement. Mm, yeah, those are really, really good points. So when it comes to like the practical stuff, right? So as you were, you said before, you have this conversation, you're going to want to start asking your parents like questions so you can get access to things. What are some of the practical things and information that you need to get started when you ask them these questions? So I talked about already the legal documents. You really need to find out whether your parents have a will, power of attorney, healthcare, advanced healthcare directive. There's a good chance they don't because, you know, more than half of older adults do not have these documents. And so 
like I said, it's so important to have these documents in place while you are still competent. And yes, it does cost money to meet with an attorney. I would recommend meeting with an attorney if you can afford it and you can actually offer to make this a gift to your parents. You know, mom and dad, I really want to give this gift to you because it's so important. I went through the process. I think it's important that you have these documents, but there are cheap and free options too. There are websites where you can get fill in the blank type of wills and power of attorney documents, some state bar associations, you can like Google your state, you know, type in Georgia and state bar association and free will, and they will provide free wills. Doctors offices have these advanced healthcare directives and living wills that you can get for free. And so there are really affordable options out there, but if you can afford it, I would recommend going to an attorney. You also want to find out, and this is so important, how your parents pay the bills. And so mom and dad, you know, I'm just kind of curious, you know, how do you pay your bills? Are you, is it set up to be paid automatically or do you have to write a check every month? And if they write the check every month, that means if something happens to them, someone's going to have to be writing that check for them, which goes back to the whole power of attorney issue. But it can be an opportunity to say, you know what? I use automatic bill pay. And it is so awesome because I don't have to worry about whether my bills are getting paid, whether they're getting paid on time. Let me help you set this up. And they'll be like, oh, I didn't even know this was an option. Or maybe they did, but they've been reluctant to do it. And like, you know, kind of sell them on the idea of the automatic bill pay. And then you can kind of dive into some other information about what their sources of income are. Do they have any retirement savings? Do they have any investments? What type of insurance policies they have? The more information you can gather, the better. better. And you don't necessarily have to ask them to tell you. You can ask them to write it down for you. In fact, this might make it easier for them. Mom and dad, can you please make a list of of your financial accounts and what type of insurance policies you have and include your, you know, your, if you do it online, your passwords and put it someplace safe and tell me where to find it in case there's an emergency. So I have access to this information and can help you out. So I can make sure your bills get paid, that sort of thing. Because I'm not sure, you know, if my kids came and said, Hey, tell me all this information because it's overwhelming. Just ask them to write it down. I've done that. Like I I have, it sounds kind of morbid, but I have this in case I die folder that has my life insurance policy and my passwords and all that information that's right there. So people can, my husband can access it. The guardian for my kid can access it. And you can even use yourself as an example again. You know, I made this list for my spouse, my partner, so that he or she can have this information. I'd love it if you can do it for me, just so in case something happens, I can help you out. Yeah. And I love like, you know, this are things that you should have yourself as an adult. So do it yourself first. So that way you can kind of realize like, yeah, it can be a little overwhelming to do it, but then you can actually like show them like, look what I just created. Here's the thing. You can even say to them, listen, if anything happens to me, yes, here's this binder, right? So it's almost, it's a reciprocal trust that you're showing that, listen, I did this. And if anything happens to me, here's what, like what you need from me. And maybe this is where you can find more information. And the other thing I really love that you mentioned is making it a gift. So if it is a case where there's a fee to see an attorney or you need to take off time to go with them, you know, do that um, as a gift, because in the long run, you know, maybe you're paying up front to do that, but you're also, it's going to sh- save you a lot of money in the long term if it doesn't get solved or put together. So you might as well do it up front. Yes. It's going to save you, the child, thousands of dollars, really thousands of dollars in court fees, because with power of attorney in particular, if your parents haven't named one, 
and they are no longer competent and someone has to step in and manage their finances, you have to go through the legal process to be named conservator. And that requires basically putting on your parent on trial, hiring an attorney for them, for you, getting a doctor to evaluate them. I mean, someone I interviewed for my book, he spent $10,000 doing this. $10,000 to become conservator for his father because his father had Alzheimer's and had not named him power of attorney. So this is going to save you a lot of money. And so if your parents can't afford to do it, you spend several hundred dollars to get those documents drawn up for them. And it might seem like a lot, but it is a fraction of what you would have to pay without these documents in worst case scenarios when you have to go through the legal proceedings to take care of these things. Right, right. So this is all great. I mean, you gave so many like actionable tips and information. Overall, all I'm hearing that it's never too early to have the conversation. And even, you know, almost it's never too late, but you can't take back, you can't go back and change time, right? So even if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, wow, I should have, I should have had this conversation a while ago. It's okay. Just start, um, start the conversation, open up that dialogue. And like you said, be persistent, but not too pushy with that. Yes. And above all, be respectful of your parents, no matter how many mistakes they've made with their money, or if you see that they're, you know, they're making mistakes now, you have to remember these are your parents. And so you want to talk to them the way you would want your own children talking to you if you were in a similar situation. Uh, yes, I love that. Love that. So, all right, Cameron, please let everyone know where they can find your book and more about you. So you can order Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. You can order it on Amazon. You can go to my website, CameronHuddleston.com. There are some links there to buy the book and there's more information about me. And I have some free resources on my website. I've got this uh, fill in the blank form that you can print out and give to your parents to provide all that financial information. I've got a scam red flag sheet that you can give to your parents to help protect them from scams. It shows the warning signs. If you go to CameronHuddleston.com, you can find links to the book and my free resources, or you can just go directly to Amazon.com. All right. And I will link all that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Cameron, for coming on. Thank you for letting me talk about this. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Cameron and that you were able to pull some nuggets out about how you can now start approaching these conversations with your loved ones and parents and siblings and just anyone in your family. If you want the episode show notes, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 117. That's where you can find any of the information we talked about here. And then if you're listening to this in any sort of podcasting app, just click on the more details and you should be able to just click directly to the website, journeytolaunch.com slash episode 117. Now, if you are listening to this in Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. That's that purple app on your phone. I read every single review. And remember, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be drilling down and talking more about this conversation, how it relates to family members, talking about wealth, building wealth, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned. All right, journeyers, until next week. Keep on journeying.